And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. A member of a Bruiser Nation podcast network and division of Snap Mirror Productions. Boys, week 13's done. We got the college football playoff final four set. So I'm kind of interested to hear a little bit from you guys on this. But gentlemen, how was your weekend, first and foremost? I'm doing great. I was a little less surprised than a lot of people about like David the other day, he's a Texas fan. People maybe remember that. Maybe don't you were stressing that they weren't going to get in. I thought for like, you guys were a lock and key. You're in. It was Florida state, Alabama. That was the only discussion for me. Here's the thing. Here's why I, I, and it's mostly my own bias. I think any undefeated power five should get the fucking nod. Like, I think it's absolutely horrific that they kept FSU out for Alabama. Like, I, the SEC had a down year. This was a, a, a quote-unquote down year. Should have been left the, out. For the, yeah, they should have been left out. They, they you know, I, I think the fact that nobody batted an eye at Georgia getting left out is, you know, the best team in the country week after week after week. All you heard was the best team in the country week after week after week. And, you know, Bama beat them in a close one, and nobody batted an eye that they were left out, right? So the SEC had a down year. Alabama, you know, they lost to Texas. So I thought Texas should have been in over Bama no matter what. But I still die on the hill that every undefeated Power 5 school should get the bid. There aren't that many of them every year. There's maybe two or three. But every single one should get the playoff appearance without a doubt. I don't care that FSU lost their quarterback. I don't care that, you know, they played a – even if we call Louisville an average – like a – above average team right like i don't care that they barely beat them they did it they beat florida they beat louisville with their second string quarterback they're a good team it would to me it's as simple it comes down to deserved versus who is the best four because florida state deserved to be in the top four but Mm -hmm. are they a top four team right now in terms of best that's the only thing that exactly that's where they even brought it up. It's in their bylaws that they don't have to go on deserved or warranted. And that's where you lose me a little. Cause I'm with you. Florida state should have got in. However, as an Ohio state, Michigan hating loser fan, like I, I am, I was giddy yesterday morning, basically going roll tie roll, baby. Fuck the Wolverine. Well, Let's go. The Wolverine reaction. Did you wow. see that video I sent to our How fantasy funny group is that? that is like everyone was like, oh, like like they were expecting Washington or Texas. And it's like, like all those teams no, are going to get in Florida material. They're I mean, scared. They were banking on Florida State. That is a good point. Scared. I, scared. Yeah. I, uh, so scared. I'm with you. Like, I think it's I, – I don't I, I don't know. I'm not rooting. Michigan's my least favorite team in the playoff right now by far. But Roll tie roll. I, I have an issue. Like this, this whole – like this year is the epitome of why we are expanding the playoff, right? Like I want – I want us to get the, the former TCUs in. I want us to get the FSUs in in these 12-team playoff scenarios because you know what? They're going to fucking upset somebody big. We'll see. And it's going to be the greatest fucking – like – one, it's going to happen one day. It might be, you know, it might be Texas falling to the nine spot and upsetting uh, a higher seed, even though like they're equivalent teams. But it's like in the future, we're going to get legitimate. You know, you have this opportunity. You went undefeated. Now you're in, and now you got to prove everyone like 
why you deserve to be here. I just, you've seen it with Hawaii. You've seen it with Boise State. You saw it with TCU before they were in the Big 12. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not saying like those small schools are going to do anything, but like, you know, if you like Louisville, let's say Louisville beat FSU and was like a nine spot, right? Louisville probably could have beaten, I don't know, they could have put up a fight against, I, I think they could put a fight against Michigan and that might be a hot take, but at least. I think it is know, a hot take. It's a hot take, but Michigan's not a high scoring team. Just not. No, but their defense is very, very good. We're, we're getting completely off the rails. We'll, we'll Guys, you have to remember, this is an NFL football. podcast. I was going to say, we'll have to start okay. the loss of down college football podcast before long. But College football segments. Uh, no, I think the name of that should be only one foot in or just one foot in. Oh, that's look at you. Always with the clever. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Should we, should our, copyright uh, that? should we, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's like a legality thing since we're recording. Um, I think now our draft, our draft preview season should be two feet in on Sundays or good on Sundays. Dude, I was going to say, we're I'm rattling them up. I'm just filled. The one the, foot in, I like program. a lot. One foot yeah, in, one I foot like a good lot. One. Good on Sundays too. I always like saying that. It makes me feel like I'm a dad when you when you're watching college ball and it's a nice both feet are in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an NFL Sundays. catch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd but, be good on Sundays. But Stephen, how are you doing? You asked us. We kind of went derail it there. Like we're you know David and I were a little lunatics. But how are you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Honestly, solid weekend. Shout out to my boy, Lucas Zander. Went to his diaper party here this weekend. So I know that him and the missus will be popping the his baby girl, Elaine, out um, because of Seinfeld. Uh, he'll be popping him out here after the first of the year. So no, it was good to go check out his man cave. Big, uh, big Eagles fan. So one of the very few Sunday and Mondays that he's not happy about, which we'll, which we'll be able to get into right now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's even just start with that game. It was the game of the year thus far. And a game that I felt like got an extra kick up in terms of the buildup because of what San Francisco has done this last eight, nine months, complaining about the last year, about how if Brock Purdy was healthy, they would have won. They brought in Javon Hargrave, who got the game ball after this in the game. There was a lot of buildup here, and the 49ers delivered. And the Eagles kind of worry you a little bit that Vegas hasn't bought in. And this is kind of the the game that shows you why that is San Francisco. Those to take away, but what did you guys, uh, big keys going out of this? Well, I know when we were going into it, it's the first half woes of the Philadelphia Eagles and then being outscored and then making these miraculous comebacks. What I think it was their five and oh, when, when behind at halftime, their last four games, they were trailing at half at some capacity. And but, got outgained by 100 yards in each of those last four games and won. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't know they were pulling the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's we've been waiting for it, but those good teams always find a way to win. But we didn't see any of that yesterday. Maybe one or two drives. But Debo, holy Debo, holy Brock Purdy, and holy Debo Samuel. I don't want to be the the guy that throws a clickbaity thing out there because that's not what I mean. But I think you guys will understand what I'm saying. Debo Samuel is the most he's kind of gone under the radar since that rookie year people kind of stopped talking about him feel like people forgot about him a little bit and i feel like it's the casuals that like don't really see debo anymore but when you watch a game like this i know that he only had the ball in his hand six seven times 
but you get to see how special he is. And this was a Debo, remember who I am, remember why I'm special game. And God, dude, he is special. I, I don't remember. I can't think of a wide receiver at least the past year and a half because I've seen him do it three times, twice yesterday, where you just a simple little wide receiver screen pass, one dude misses, he's gone. Maybe Jamar Chase because we've seen Jamar Chase do it a couple times in the playoffs. But to your point with the emergence of Brandon Ayuk, you have CMC there. George Kittle's always going to come with the late season surge. Debo's going to fall under the radar, especially with him kind of being hurt these last couple of years. Debo's great. I, I think he's fallen under the radar because Brandon Ayuk has, has come out of his shell and shined as a receiver. And CMC is now in uh, San Francisco, so they don't use Debo as a running back on, you know, 10 plays a game, right? So I think that's why a lot of uh, he might be falling, quote-unquote, under the radar. Um, I think he backed up his big-ass mouth after, you know, his blockbuster performance. After all that trash talk and all that excuse last year, it just – it feels like he backed it up because he was going to get shit if he didn't. But I also think this is, I honestly think this was the 49ers Super Bowl. Like, I think they circled this game as the most important game of their year because they just had so much, so much ill will towards it. I, if you told me that they show up next week and they come out slow, like, I wouldn't be shocked. Kind of like a, you know, like, how do you get yourself back up to the peak of what you were feeling for that Eagles game? They play the Seahawks at home. That'd be a tough game to lose. I just if they come out slow and the Seahawks come out like they did against the Cowboys and actually play well, I actually think yeah. the the you know I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I could Mini I, buy too. I could be talked into it, right? That's how I feel. I feel like this was the height of their season and in these guys' eyes, and I wonder how strong they're gonna come out next week. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe they come out and they beat the Seahawks by forty, but it just like being in that position, like I've been in, you know, everyone's been in, it played sports. And even at the high school level, you've had your rival games week seven of nine. And like, there is no hype going into week eight, even remotely similar. And, you know, you come out a little sluggish in that following week because of it. What I would say to that, though, is the Ravens are the only game on the 49er schedule that I would pick them to lose right now. And if that is the case, there's a real, real good chance that the NFC goes through the big bell bottom at at Levi in San Francisco. And if that happens, the big bell bottom, you ain't going to get a Philadelphia win in San Francisco. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Philly needs that game to be at home. Now what's, what's keeping on Philly because it, it, it got chippy. It was chippy from the beginning all the way into the end. Every time he thought Philadelphia was going to make that turn in the second half, San Francisco just kept putting it to him. But they're still the number one seed in the NFC. They have a huge test against the Dallas Cowboys here, which all of a sudden they lose that game. It flips the whole seeding uh, on the NFC side up down, upside down on its head. Are we worried at all about the state of Philadelphia right now after so close? Their defense has let up 42 points at home. Yes, I am worried. And it's because this is a trend now. The secondary has been an issue for large parts of the season. The offense can go in and out. There's been great periods of time this last month where there'll be a quarter and a half stretch where the Eagles can't get a first down. Then they turn it on. When you get to the playoffs, you can't do that. You can't do that against Dallas. And you can't do it against San Francisco. We keep saying those are the big three teams. Philadelphia is the worst of the three right now. 
Well, lucky for them, um, after the game that they have against the Cowboys, they have Seattle, the Arizona Cardinals, and the New York Giants twice. So as long as they can sneak away with a victory against the Cowboys, they're gonna be they should be able to lock up the number one seed. They haven't played the Giants yet. I haven't even factored that in. That sucks. The Cowboys game's a big one though. Cowboys is huge now. Cowboys is a big one. It's a it's a must win game. In fact, the rest of them are must win if they want to lock up the one seed for sure. But keep in mind we're we're I'm not worried about this Eagles team because this might be the jolt they need. They're ten and two. They're ten yes. and two. And I feel the same way about the Chiefs and the Eagles together. Uh these teams are in a rut. They're not as dominant as we expected them to be, but they're still respectively either the best or one of the best teams in their respective conference, regardless like of, of how you want to put their play this year. My big thing though is if the Cowboys win and beat them, they're in the driver's seat to win the East. And if that happens, the Eagles are going to have to go to San Francisco and to Dallas. That's two. Potentially. Well, if they... San Fran would be right. the San Fran would be the one seed because San Dallas Fran beat isn't... Dallas, Dallas beat Philly. And Dallas will end up getting the tiebreaker. The two is... seed. Philly would get the five seed. Exactly. So like but my Dallas, point is that would imply that would Dallas doesn't lose another game. Dallas yeah, has Dallas. Dallas has the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and then Commanders. That is a oh, gauntlet of a finish for the Cowboys, no matter how they're playing. The Eagles have an easy finish. The Niners have a relatively easy finish. Uh, I mean, the, the Niners and the Eagles both only have one like formidable, truly formidable opponent left on their schedule. Uh, and then the rest are they're only going to lose if they get complacent. I just don't think it's a foregone conclusion. It's not. The Eagles it's win not. Out I just, Dallas. I'm not worried about the Eagles. I, I'm just not worried about the Eagles. I, I'm not. I I I don't know. I feel the same way. Like I, I feel, for, for the record, my worry is like I'm talking about the top three teams. They're a top three team in the NFC. I just think that the other two are a little better right now. That's fair. I just I think this might be a jolt to the Eagles. That's all I'm saying. I think this they're gonna have they're gonna come out firing. The Detroit Lions go down to the Superdome and kind of embarrassed. This was a really weird game. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. The, Detroit broke this game wide open. It was twenty one nothing halfway through the first quarter. It was actually pretty alarming. Then they only proceeded to score twelve points the rest of the game, allowing the Saints to stick around, make a comeback, and make this a game basically for the whole second half. The first, the first three drives that Detroit had, 151 yards and three touchdowns. The rest of the game, 196 yards, two field goals and a touchdown. So they just weren't able to keep it hot, which is always kind of scary in those games. Nonetheless, the Motor City Kitties are still hot, baby. Per per baby. The Cats are – they're in good shape. This is – the North is – Pretty close to being wrapped up, although look out. Stevens Packers are going to not exactly make it easy on them. But the Saints and Derek Carr, that was the whole thing going into this, is I thought Derek Carr was going to play his final game as a starter with the Saints. It still might happen, given all these injuries that he accumulated in this game. But they were down 21 to nothing, partly because his receiver dropped the ball, turned into effectively... That was a wild play. That was, it was such very a sick, wild. It was I I had to like even the slow motion didn't make it make sense. Like that DB was not expecting to catch that ball. He was like, "Oh, it's still here. Sick. I'm just gonna keep it in stride." 
Exactly. And then later in the game, even after the Lions had let the Saints get back into the game, you saw Derek Carr take a snap and his left guard pull in, knock the ball out of Derek Carr's hands. And at some point, I'm a Derek Carr defender, but who's the common denominator? And there's a lot of problems right now in New Orleans. Maybe it's best for everybody involved if Derek Carr just takes a backseat the rest of the season, reevaluate, maybe find a place that he can go and be a starter with maybe less stakes. Because right now it doesn't feel like he's a good fit for the Saints. I just am thinking what if he ended up going to New York and what that would have looked like right now. God, that hurts so much. Because I think, would he have been messing up that offense too? With that offensive line, that's just been an absolute shitstorm up there. Imagine if he went to the Browns, though. It'd be so nice. I could. <laughs> well, the Browns could protect him because the big thing with Derek Carr, wherever he's gone, is that he hates contact. I love Derek Carr, but he's not a physical player. He's tough. He's tough as nails. He'll play through injuries with the best of them. But in the moment, in the play, he really struggles with pressure. You even saw his teammate, Bruce Urban, who's still in the NFL, by the way, got a sack in this game. He said, I played with Derek. I know that he hates the game coming to him, basically, when there's pressure in his face, Derek Carr's not Derek Carr. And uh, not it, a good it, trait it, it to have as time. a quarterback. No. Well, especially not when an offensive line isn't great. Better than Leatherwood. Uh, N- New Orleans. I mean, you have to clean house, right? Like, I am I think I'm always the one who likes to jump the gun and clean house. Like, I'm ready to clean house week three in the NFL. You know how I am, guys. But – you know, you know my stance on really new any New Orleans head coach. If it's Sean Payton, if it's uh, if it's Dennis Allen that's on here, it's a quarterback carousel. They can't get it done for some reason. Taysom Hill still getting a plethora of snaps. If it's injuries or not, it's so bad down there. You're right though, Pete Carmichael. It's over. Dennis Allen. It's over. See ya. Both should be fired day after Black Monday. They should be gone. Oh, they definitely will be. Uh, but can we talk about the uh, off-field related thing, which is that cameraman getting his leg snapped in half by Kamara? Oh, yeah. Did you guys well, see it that was shit? Dude, I watched that. Hard to watch. I saw it I live, but I was like, live. is it a weird angle? Dude, I watched that shit live. I was in a bar with um, my girlfriend for her birthday. We were just getting like a cocktail for fun. like, And I looked it's up at the screen. For fun. I yeah, you, you know. Uh, I uh, looked at the screen, I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, out loud, I was like, oh, my God. She's like, what happened? I was like, I think that cameraman just snapped his leg in half. And then they showed the replay, and I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking horrific. Yeah, it was it was brutal. And I swear, I watched, because I was I had the four, uh, the four games on the same time. Three of those games had a cameraman ran into him in a five-minute span. I was like, what the hell is going on? Even on Sunday Night Football, there was a big hit over there. It was just a really rough week for the the Chains guys. But Scott Hansen on NFL Red Zone, I'm sure a few of you at home know what I'm talking about. He, I missed it at first, but they cut right away from that injury in the Saints game to that guy. And he just goes, to the eagle-eyed few of you at home. And he starts talking about this injury. And I'm sitting here like, what did I miss? How bad was it (laughs) that Scott Hansen's like, we saw a pretty devastating injury just now. And I'm like, oh my God, it must've been bad that we didn't wait a minute. We're just like, oh, this old man's life is over. Yeah. Just amputate it. Yeah. The glue factory to that guy, take him to the glue factory. It's over. Yeah. No, he is. You think the NFL or his like covers that, that guy's health insurance. Like you think that guy, they better depends how long he's been in. 
True. The NFL isn't exactly, uh, what, dishing out money for fun. They're probably going to make that guy through every hoop, every flaming hoop at that. Oh, well, they just got to call Dave Disney. He'll make him pay. Yeah. Now get Alvin Kamara involved. AK, come on, baby. Get your you need. This is a perfect time to get your name back on the correct on the correct side of things. Alvin Kamara, it's your time, brother. The Denver Broncos get their five game winning streak snapped down in Houston after Russell Wilson throws three interceptions on the four, final four drives, loses the game, but also another devastating injury. A Tank Dell going down with also a fractured fibula. I think that was uh, actually what happened with the sideline reporter and an ankle injury, but. Nico Collins exploding for 191 yards. And let me tell you something. I was I was betting heavy on Nico Collins here last week. So I was like, it's his first game back. They love them some Nico Collins. And so I decided to ride that train this week. But instead of Nico, I took Noah Brown. Boy, am I dumb. That's how it always is. Nico's works, been a fantasy it? starter for me all year long. And well, I, he, yeah, when he's when he's not hurt. I uh I got to say, if you would, like, up until probably week six, maybe seven, I thought he was a rookie, just so we're clear. And it's like his ah, third or fourth year. It's, it's his third year in the league. I was going like, to say, I don't just, think he ever beat the Buckeyes. That's how long ago he was at Michigan. Yeah, I, I like, for for probably the first six weeks of the season, six weeks of the season, I was convinced that this was a rookie receiver that the Texans just fucking hit on. But, like, I... I first of all, let's let's get this out of the way. Never say the word heater. I learned my lesson. Russell Wilson still sucks. Uh and honestly, Houston's unbelievable. Like they're they are probably the fastest turnaround in NFL history. Uh Dude, they're so much fire. fun. And like I say that coming off the Nico Collins thing, because like they kind of developed him out of nowhere and I like nobody, like nobody at the beginning of the season, other than maybe the coaching staff, thought that Nico Collins was going to be great. Now it looks like they have a legitimate number one receiving piece going into an offseason where all they have to do is add talent, not miss on, you know, all but two draft picks. And they're like a legitimate, you know, team. What did Peyton Manning, what did Tom Brady, what do all the greats, what is Patrick Mahomes doing now with? mediocre wide receivers they elevate them Dion branch was the best wide receiver for the new england patriots who won a championship you got to see peyton manning turn dallas clark into the best tight end of the early teens the late aughts cj stroud is elevating noah brown he's elevating nico collins he is that guy he is going to be a franchise quarterback in the nfl He's better than I think every. There's, it's like two percent of the draft scouts that were like C.J. Stroud's generational. I am a Buckeye fan that wanted to will it to happen, and I never saw this. What he's doing right now is special. It's one of the. It might be the best rookie quarterback season we've ever seen, and he's doing it with a franchise that we were giving dead to rights yeah. before not too long ago. They were dead in the water. They were dead in the water, and C.J. Stroud has them, to me, is one of the most exciting teams. Don't forget, well, the S2, S whatever cognitive test that we were all yep. that we were all talking about here in this offseason, straight to the shitter. Just straight to oh, the shitter. Oh, no, I don't care what anyone says. The, the stupid people deserve to be fucking humiliated on national television for being stupid. 
I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> well, are you talking about like he should have been ridiculed for this S2 test that we don't even know how Correct. significant this is it's the like first a, time they've unrolled it out. Yeah, it's and like a four-year-old is, test too, isn't it? Well, and it, that's the thing. It's like the results are new and well, it's basically completely counterintuitive to what we've seen on the football field. Yeah, because wasn't so Bryce Young the giving, highest one? He on was this? the best one. He was basically the smartest guy of all time. He was like a 98. And right now, he doesn't know how to read a defense. Ryan, Tell me how this test works. Ryan Fitzpatrick was like the smartest guy in the NFL, so I get how how it doesn't always correlate. But I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about if you're just flat-out stupid, you might be really smart at football. But if you're just flat-out stupid, you deserve to be ridiculed for it. Well, that's the Wonderland test, right? Yeah, well, he had what? I want to say... One off the, I think thirty eight's the perfect score. And he had like a thirty seven or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't remember whatever what that is. The wonder, like, did you guys, uh, you know, not to, not to go totally off topic, but do you remember when Madden added the fake wonder lick in career mode? Yeah, oh, yeah. and I felt like an idiot because I can't even remember some of the questions they'd ask, and I ended up with like like an eighteen because I was Stop like it. a thirteen year old kid. Stop it. Well, bring them out. Let's whip out the Wonderlick. One of these. That should be, <laughs> that should be a segment in, in the off season. Yeah. yeah. In the off season, all three of us should take the Wonderlick. Oh, I do not want to have that on my. I don't want to be last. You, well, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> Lock it in. Oh, it's gonna happen. We're 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 gonna do that. That's a remind us in the off season if we forget. But guys, we're doing a Wonderlick. But we're gonna kick the can down the should road a little bit here. Too. What about 40 yard Should dashes? we throw some 40 yard oh dashes in there too? Let's Loss of down combine. combine. Loss of down yeah. combine. I'm in. Yeah. I'm sold. Dude, that'd be too much physical activity. It'd be loss of consciousness at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I could use some loss of pounds. So, you know, we can I, figure this I out. Feel that yeah, I'll train for the combine. <laughs> I'll get I'll get six bench reps in. Let's get it. <laughs> I don't think I could bench the the bare minimum, isn't it? What is it? Well, we're not. It's two twenty five. We're not. Uh, we're not. Oh, two twenty five. Great. I don't we're know. Not, if we're I not could, doing two twenty five. We do loss of down, adjust down for the non athletes. Yeah, we're gonna, we, we got the we got the six foot rims here. We're not the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> what? But we're gonna kick the can, like I said, down the road. Let's go to SoFi, David. Let us inside your mind. The Browns lose a interesting game. It should have been effectively tied about halfway through the fourth quarter, and Joe Flacco looked good. What are our takeaways? So, first off, imagine how good, how much better Cleveland would be this year had they signed Joe Flacco instead of P.J. Walker initially, just right off the bat. I, I Joe Flacco has been the best quarterback Cleveland's had all year, right off the rip. I, I, and he... And keep in mind, it's on, what, four days practice with, you know, you could see where he wasn't gelling with the receivers on at times, and you could see where where some more practice, some more time with the offense could could make him a, a serviceable game manager for Cleveland, right? But I know Cleveland sucks. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm way past that train, but I just think that if, if Joe Flacco had been signed instead of P.J. Walker, I might actually be a happier human week week by week in Cleveland. But I don't know. I'm not that upset with this game. I thought – I told Wally before the podcast, but I thought that Cleveland was going to lose this game pretty badly. I don't know why. I just got that – it was like one of those games where I just felt like we had no chance going in. Like I wasn't confident we were going to even keep it close. Um, I mean, we did until the very end. It just – I don't know. I, I This game didn't get me so upset. The only other takeaway I really had is I think Schwartz got outworked 
and it's the first time all year. But you know, Stafford was was four of five, 102 yards and a touchdown against cover two man. That's like astonishing, right? That's you know why why did we even after that Puka Nakua 70 yard um, <laughs> why did we even stick with with man after that? Um, I know it's only five plays and cover two man, but it felt like we played man all game. The other issue I had with is you did it just was probably you know other variations right, of man right exactly. And the Browns only blitzed 18% of plays. Yet, when they blitzed, Stafford was statistically at his worst. So, like, when we rushed five plus, we made Stafford slightly worse. But, like, we never rushed five plus. And it was our lowest It was our lowest blitz percentage the entire year. And, like, I'm not holding anything against Schwartz. Interesting. Uh, I think Luca had something to do with that. No. Like, I don't – like, they, they attacked – I, I don't think so because they attacked our fourth string corner. They attacked Ford all game long and you're playing man with a fourth string corner. Like I, I expect them to do that. Right. But yeah. I don't hold, I don't hold anything against Schwartz. I, I think he probably played this strategy because of the injuries to the defense. I think I would have still like the problem with games like these is they make you realize even when you have injuries, you still need to play your game. And the Browns game is to rush the quarterback and if we're afraid to do that based on injuries, we're going to lose. So, like, I'm hoping next week we we don't do this whole conservative don't blitz the quarterback thing. We go right back to, you know, our standard strategy no matter who's in. Like, you need to play your game, whether it's the backups or the starters. I think we learned in this game why you need to do that. I don't hold anything against Schwartz, like I said, but I think, you know, again, injuries played a reason as to why he suddenly looked like Joe Woods. Well. I was just going to say, Miles Garrett now had one of the least, I, I actually, it was the least effective statistical game of his career. Didn't record a tackle. He was not himself. And it's hard for me to blame too much of the coaching staff because he says he's good enough to play. You still coach like he's Miles Garrett. And when Miles Garrett isn't getting home, you're sending four people because you have Oboe. Oboe's been incredible this year. You have Miles Garrett, who's been the defensive player of the year thus far. And when he is hurt this bad, it, it changes everything. You have no Denzel Ward. He's your best corner. It, it just feels like the injuries have finally caught up with this defense. And it sucks because they were on a historical pace. And it's going to fall short, I think, of that at the end of the season. But it shouldn't take away from how great of a coaching job this has been by Schwartz this year and how good the defense is. It just sucks. Sometimes Completely your team agree. gets bit in the ass by injuries and it happens. Yeah, well, and then you also sprinkle in just the Sean McBay effect, right? Don't forget the reason that he's gotten his name and the nor and the notoriety. Um, really kind of getting the first full game where everyone's had a couple games under their belt. It feels like when Cooper came back, he even kind of popped out a little bit. Then he had Nakua's out for a little bit. If it's a rib injury, if it's been cramps, he even saw him pop out a little bit yesterday for a game. It's got to be a breath of fresh air, at least that first drive. Joe Flacco leads a 75-yard touchdown. And then it's it's funny. Literally, I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I know David's got to be happy. Like, there's no – it's a close game, no turnovers. Then we missed the extra point. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And then over a 14-play span, the Cleveland Browns' final three drives was an interception, turnover on downs, and a safety. So that led to 16 points. To end this game, that was a one-point game going into the fourth or right at the fourth. So Cleveland, Cleveland's right there, right? And to 
to David's point, I can't imagine what this team would be looking like with Joe Flacco for the majority of all these starts when Deshaun hasn't been starting. So it makes you scratch your head. But hey, all of a sudden the Rams in that eighth spot right now, potentially making a playoff run. The Rams are, they are the perfect example of how important coaching is. We see more often than not coaching hold NFL teams back. Very rarely is it quite evident how good a coach is on a specific team. What Sean McVay and this staff has done, it's nothing short of remarkable. I had this team as a 2-15, and 3-14 and 14 team going into the year. They suck on paper. What they do with Matthew Stafford and what they do with that wide receiving room, and Kyron Williams looks like the real deal too. It's nothing short of uh, crazy what they've done, and Sean McVay deserves all the credit. Ravens, Commanders, Saints, Giants, and 49ers to cap off the season for the Rams. So maybe keep a close eye on them. We uh, This reminds me, Wally and Steve, we need to go back and we need to do a segment, like a quick five-minute projected versus actuals from what we predicted. Uh, At the end yeah. of the regular season, we're definitely doing that. It, it, it'll about take, it myself, it'll take 10 minutes. That's the, that's the Pro Bowl week. To just run through. Yeah, biggest hits, biggest misses for each of us. Right. We'll kick it now into Sunday Night Football. And, Steven, how exciting this must be for you. After the the pain, the suffering, the just constant ridicule Packer fans must feel of never having a quarterback, it must just really feel good to have one. Dude, it's it's ebbs and flows of the season, right? I was right. You guys were kind of helping me walk it back here a couple weeks ago, um, especially after Goodman said, oh, you know, we got a few games. We got 10 games left of the season, whatever it may be. There's a lot left to see where our future of the quarterback is going to be. And for Jordan Love, the way these came out, the, the last three games, what, just under 870 yards, 80 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, back-to-back games against eight win teams. Um, on prime time, nonetheless, all of America watching. So Jordan Love is—he's just slinging the rock right now, right? We had a cup. We were talking about the one he got to Romeo Dubs and damn near quadruple coverage, where he just kind of like a little teardrop in there, uh, sprinkled in with a little bit of luck. But then the Christian Watson ball, a couple of the other balls in here, the way that he's just progressed through the season offensively. Um, Matt Lafleur is making it a little bit easier, kind of negating the negative plays here. It seems like week after week. Um, when he's when they're not fully healthy, he decides not to try to run the trick plays. Just wants to run it right up the gut with AJ Dillon, get it to Romeo Dobbs, get Jaden Reed, Devontae Wicks. All of a sudden, is is kind of making a name for himself. And my boy Tucker Craft, shout out to you, Wally. We had a trade in the dynasty league this year that made sure uh, that he landed on franchise tag of Iola's team. That'd be my team. Uh, so I'm per- I'm pretty excited. But it's the defensive side of the ball that I love, especially missing Jair Alexander. Uh, fourth consecutive game for them to be able to keep Pat Mahomes under 200 yards. I think it was 210, but after the sacks, it brings him to 189. That's miraculous. Isaiah Pacheco had career best um, over 120 yards receiving and rushing combined. I think he was over a hundred rushing. I was sitting like excited for the game yesterday or watching the game, but I also had bets riding on it. My last bet I really want was, or really wanted was Travis Kelsey, 80 yards. Isaiah Pacheco over 123 and a half rushing and receiving yards and Pacheco two plus touchdowns. The fact that he gets kicked out of the game on the final drive 
when the when the dude was just balling in the second half made me sick. Made me sick. I wanted them to score. Bacheco scores. They choke on the two point conversion. Everybody wins in my house. I love that commitment to the betting. I got to be honest. You mentioned it there, Stephen. But uh, Jair Alexander has been out for four games. Uh, Aaron Jones has been out for three. I think two, this was a, two games. Well, yeah, back to back. He's missed more games this year, but yeah. Packers are on a three game win streak mostly thanks to Jordan Love and without arguably two of their best players overall. Um, that might be a hot take, but Jair Alexander for sure. Aaron Jones, I'd take the argument, but I think he's one of their best overall players. That's highly, highly impressive, and I think it would excite me if I was a Packers fan to get those two back uh, to see how much further we can take it. This was, to me a defining moment for the Packers organization because I am all in. You guys have noticed I've been towing the line of Jordan Love all year, trying to will it to happen because you see it. And there are moments in the fact that you've had beat writers, you've had anybody affiliated with the Packers media team for the last 12 months, tell everybody we're going to be okay. Jordan Love's a good one. I have tried to believe it. And there were moments where it was hard, but this last month has just reaffirmed that this team knows what they're doing. Year in, year out. Like I said, if anybody, by the way, didn't realize I was joking going into the long-suffering Packer fans, it's a joke because the Packers just always do this. And it's annoying to the world because they just go from like generational quarterbacks to the next. Maybe Jordan Love isn't that, but it's not like ruled out yet. He has done enough where you can see a future where the Packers still own the NFC North and it goes through the quarterback position yet again. What a monumental win. And I tell you, I've been saying it all year. Not everything's great in Arrowhead. Not everything's great in Kansas City. They have real, real problems. They have to give Patrick Mahomes some help. And it made it even sweeter just beating Kansas City. With little Taylor Swift in the crowd, just crying and cheering. First team to beat uh, Taylor Swift in person, right? I love it. And it, it just feels so right that it'd be my Packers and just my dislike for her. Uh, and just for her to be able to come to the stadium I love, the Mecca, and see the amazingness and then the amazingness of losing and those fans. But of course, the, you know, it sucks. She wasn't getting ridiculed. You know, everyone was super nice to her. Well, yeah, it's Taylor Swift. Like nobody's well, going to be. But it's to- also Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like they're always nice. I've seen them. I've seen them nice to Bears fans. Nicer than I, I'd ever be to my Bears fr- friends. Yeah, no, Green Bay fans are. They're a different breed. They're talking shits even like tame. So, I I expect nothing less. What they got? Love actually. Currently, I'm I'm in a love story. Uh, whatever, whatever kind of names you want to come up with, I'm in it, baby. I'm in a Jordan Love. It's 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 growing pains, but he got here. He's still missing throws, people. There's still a couple decisions that he made. There's still the early timeouts, which for the record, Aaron was doing that shit last year, and it drove me insane. The Green Bay Packers, if there's a bet for over timeouts called in the first quarter, hammer the Packers over half a timeout because I swear to God, my entire life, there's always a first quarter timeout for some dumb shit that they've got to call and waste. It must be nice to have the biggest complaint in your life first quarter timeout. No, it's not. NFC Championship games. We're you I'm know what? NFC Championship games. 
this this must San be Francisco's San Francisco. At that point, why would you rat? Would you go there and get blown out by twenty every single time you go, or never go at all? After what I've dealt with the last twenty years, I would take a thirty-point loss in the AFC Championship tomorrow, and I'd do it with a smile on my face. Exactly. People that tell me, I used to work with people that said, nah, I would never do that. I'm like, you are seriously such a sad person. Yeah, like, I'm not kidding. The the fact that, because there's so much that, like, this year for David, obviously, the, for example, because you're much like the Raiders fan base. They're seven and five. It's been, a, it, it's been terribly frustrating. It's been the lowest of lows at points. But how fucking fun is it to have a football team that you can look forward to every week? Like the Raiders, even a few years ago, it was the same thing where, yeah, you know what? I know it's going to end poorly. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, but I just want to be entertained. And after so long of not being fun and being bad all the time, give it to me. Let me embarrass myself on a national stage. I just want to be on a national stage. I thought you had stage fright, Wally, but what do I know? <laughs> Guy shook Goodell's hand. What do you mean stage fright? I know. Oh, he was sweaty as hell, dude. His hand slipped right out. You got to watch the slow motion. <laughs> no, I know. But get... His hand was sweaty, but I looked past it. I know he was nervous to meet me. It was like, uh, yeah, I was like, it's like in the Seattle fish market. That's what his fucking hand felt like. Probably smelled like it, too. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. Let's get into this could have been done in an email. Before we do, we want to remind you that this week's 13 recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age, well, feels like there's a college graduation, baby pictures, weddings, engagements, diaper parties, you name it, they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. The Thursday night game to start off week 13, the Dallas Cowboys went 41-35 to as they stay rolling, having scored at least 33 points in five of their last six games. And in four of those last six, it's been 40 points. So really 33 points, one game, 40 points to rest. That is stupid. It's so stupid. They've been incredible this year. It's a reason why I have them ahead of Philadelphia. It's no shot to Philly. Seattle leaking oil still. I know that they looked better here, but you're still losing. You got to win a game at like this every now and then. They didn't do it. Cowboys, look out. Dallas is the best offense in the NFC right now, and it's not close in my eyes. Uh, they're just playing. They're on a heater right now, and I am chasing them. Wait, I'm hold on. Better than San Fran? That's what I was wondering, on, too. Dude, Dak's playing like the best are you, quarter. Are you not learning saying I, heater? It's kind of on purpose, Steven. <laughs> uh, but Dak's, oh, bad. Dak's been the best quarterback in the NFC for like five weeks now. Uh, he's on like an incredible streak of games. They're a great team right now. I am a little bit surprised that Seattle gave their defense fits. The Indianapolis Colts win an overtime thriller in Nashville, beating the Tennessee Titans. And this was a sequence at one point in the fourth quarter. A blocked punt returned for a touchdown by the Indianapolis Colts, only for them to go for a two-point conversion and Tennessee to pick it and take it back to the house. This game was so fun in the fourth quarter. This was a game of the year candidate, except it was with Indianapolis and Tennessee, <laughs> so nobody cared. Two blocked punts, a broken punter, Ryan Tannehill having to hold, it screwing them up, him holding it correctly for a go-ahead field goal in overtime just for Gardner Minshew to stick a cold dagger in the heart of Tennessee in front of their fans. What a freaking game. Send D-Hop to Houston. Speaking of killing your fans, uh, the Chargers at New England, 
in the worst game televised, uh, really the worst game played in 85 years. I mean, holy shit, boys. What do we got? I'm a Big Ten fan. Sorry, go ahead, Steven. <laughs> no, that's just your comment, right, Wally? Because if not, continue. I know. I was just going to say, I'm a Big Ten fan, so you know I like misery. The misery. only uh, New England is Iowa. <laughs> I love it. Khalil Mack, three straight games with two sacks or more. My is guy back? is back. He's Brilliant back. Khalil the ship Mack. is unsinking. He's all the way back. So the fact that the Chargers covered the five and a half, five and a half point spread, winning this game six to nothing. The New England Patriots are the first team since the 1934 Eagles and the 1937 Pittsburgh Pirates. That's right. I, that's yeah, that is not right. a spelling error. The Pittsburgh Football Pirates. Ooh, Wally, why did they not say that? I like the ring to it. They are the first team to hold their opponent to 10 or less points and lose three straight games. But they have an opportunity for history this year because the 1938 Chicago Bears, fuck the Bears, are the only team to do it four straight weeks. Did we see history this week, boys? This is the New England defense that Wally and I preached about at the beginning of the season that is showing up without an offense. They are Iowa. And I tell you what, if New England finds their way to Caleb Williams or hitting on a quarterback in the draft, I'll be sick. I'll be sick. If they get Caleb Williams, I'll puke in my own shoe. Like, it's going to be so frustrating. We just got over talking about the Packers, with all due respect to you, Steven, going from one generational quarterback to the next. Them getting sad over three years of Mac Jones and then going to Caleb Williams would literally be, like, I'd be ready to punch like something I'm not supposed to punch. Like, I did, like something that's alive. I need to find something that I'm allowed to punch that's alive. Punching down. That's where I'm at. What Wally is trying to say is he wants to punch a baby if they get Caleb that's, Williams. That's basically where I'm at. Like, give me the, the toughest baby this side of the Mississippi. I'll go toe-to-toe. Probably somewhere in Mississippi. Whatever. They can make all these decisions in the world, apparently. They can take it on the chin now. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the New England Patriots for the Thursday night football game this week. This is this is very real. This is a very real opportunity that they can go four straight. Uh, the Steelers. They might lose six nothing because if Mitch Trubisky's playing. <laughs> that is a 31 and a half point total, by the way. Which Should be I know 21 and a half. Yeah, be David's on my side. <laughs> That's bad. I tweeted it last night, but I don't, I'm not joking when I say that is incredibly high. Given what these offenses are doing and what the defenses are capable of, you could get a defensive score, and I still don't think you have enough. It's gross. The Steelers are Ooh, in trouble. Steelers defensive score on Thursday. I might just be hammer the that. under. Hammer the under on Thursday. We're all going to do it. Oh, I already am. This was the worst. You know what that means. This was the worst case scenario for both these teams, too, because now Arizona, you might as well just say, forget it on Caleb Williams. It's over. You're not going to get Marvin Harrison either. Hope you guys had fun playing Kyler for a couple meaningless games and the Steelers season's over. Lose-lose for everybody. Yeah, we got we got to move on. We've talked about this segment more minutes than points scored in this game. Thanks. You're right, and that's why it, this might be worse this next game. Atlanta and New Jersey, and I say New Jersey because the Jets had Tim Boyle Aaron Rodgers' Rogers' best friend throwing balls out there. Thankfully, in what we believe is his final game of his NFL career, no way he ever gets another crack. And Atlanta wins 13-8. But it was not exactly an inspiring performance from them either. Talking about the game before should be a 21.5 point spread, or the total should be at 21.5. This would have hit at 21.5. Lock of the century for the under, especially when I saw the weather. God, I wish I put my life on this. 
That's all we have for that game. For good reason. It's worthless. Miami at Washington. Weather was bad on the East Coast all day. That didn't stop Tyreek Hill. And guys, you know what? I'll be brave. You know I hate him. I hate his guts. But we should be beyond talking about him as the best wide receiver in football. It should be Tyreek Hill for MVP conversations right now. Yes. Totally, totally agree. And you know you're preaching to the choir. Someone who's been kind of on the Derrick Henry bandwagon the past couple years for the MVP, kind of making his way to the CMC and definitely the Tyreek Hill conversation as he is on a ridiculous pace right now to shatter Megatron's record here. Back-to-back 30-point losses for Washington. Don't know how Ron Rivera has a has a job while we're recording here. Talk about another guy who's the number one, number two, or three candidate candidate to get fired on Black Monday. Here he is. They're going into a bye week, too, and Eric Bieniemy is their offensive coordinator. How is Rivera not out the door, and how do you not give Bieniemy a full bye week in a month to go and at least see what you have in him and decide if he can be your head coach of the future? Good call, but uh, also Miami is literally that team in Madden that you built on rookie mode to just slaughter bad teams for fun. It's just a team that you built so you could just run a, a essentially four verticals with somebody coming across the middle four verts, and yep. you just get a touchdown every time. That's what Miami feels to me. They just put up ungodly numbers and random. And then when you play a user team, they end up yeah. losing because it doesn't work against Correct. user teams. Those are the good teams right. in the league. A hundred percent. A game that we missed Wally's hometown Steelers took a fat L to the Arizona Cardinals here. Just so we're clear. These are the games that I expected the Steelers to play all year long. And, and now they're kind of happening and it's making me really happy as a fan of that. All I want to say is where's my respect boys, James Connor, 105 yards, two touchdowns. leads the NFL and up the middle carries at every blind squirrel. Finds a nut every carry. Out again. Was this his first hundred yard game of his it career? Top, uh, third, <laughs> yeah, but he beat cancer. Okay. He, he was the hometown kid. Great beat guy. Cancer Terrible got drafted started. by the, I didn't even know he had it. <laughs> drafted by the Steelers. Got paid. Absolute legend. Man, I bet they're missing him now. They definitely are because that's how bad Najee Harris just has been. Um, the Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay played a game. Mike Evans is a GOAT. Locked up his 10th straight 1,000-yard season. Good for him. That's the only good thing that came out of this game. Brian Burns throwing a punch, getting thrown out, shows you how far Carolina is in the gutter right now. Things are bad. David Tepper, way Dude, to go. Oh, my God. What an all-time bad GM. He's the next. He's like Gettleman 2.0. Just feels- and he's an owner. You can't fire yeah, it over. Do they make? They were like, you know what? Should we call Gettleman? It's it's it, and I was seeing, I was reading something that he gets involved, like Jerry Jones gets involved, and like Jerry Jones, you know, he's bad, but at least sometimes he lets the reins go just a little bit. David Tepper's all time bad. Like that's that's historically bad, but. On the flip side, Mike Evans is a freak, and it's also going to sicken me to see Mahomes get him to 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns next year. Yes, it is. It just sucks to me that you get to see Tepper fire Frank Reich last week, where Reich is now going to be synonymous with that like Urban Meyer tenure. And that's not Frank Reich's fault. From the word go, it sounds like Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. I wonder if that was a better pick. And David Packer... David Pecker, that fits. David Tepper decided that, no, it's going to be Bryce Young, and then I'm going to proceed to follow up with a Monday meeting each week telling you how bad you've done at your job. 
Well, I remember the press conference on Frank Reich trying to like, it was right before the draft and he was describing how none of them really talked about who the first overall pick was going to be, but we all agreed and we all knew when he was smiling, talking about it. So I don't, I, I keep hearing the stories about Tepper wanted Bryce. He wanted CJ Stroud. I don't know. There's just too much bullshit. That whole organization needs to go down. Sorry, Dill. I tried to tell you guys were going to be bad. You didn't want to believe me because you were just blind. I'm sorry. Last game of the week is our Monday night football game. It's about to kick off here in a couple minutes. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to Jacksonville to Duval. And this is a game that was supposed to be fun. Instead, it's not. How much are the Jags going to win by? Enough to cover. Enough is is the perfect way to say it. A lot by a lot to a little, if any. Way to go. Jacob Browning is a quarterback in the NFL because we don't take the backup quarterback position seriously enough. And that's a sin and a shame. How does the NFL not every team? How does, how does Zach Taylor not do that with the injury history of his quarterback? Granted, you take his rookie year, the ACL, but the pre offseason workout injuries in the last couple of years have been good. But you, you got to know, like we, we've just seen it. I After seeing Nick Foles win a championship, how are people not like, oh, we definitely need to do this. Look at what's happening in Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew right now. You can find good backup quarterbacks and play well. Look at what Green Bay did for the last two decades. They had Aaron Rodgers backing up Brett Favre. They had Jordan Love backing up Aaron Rodgers. They felt like they, they were, were prepared. They were good backups. Well, they felt like they were prepared in those events that if their starter went down, they would be in a good spot. We've seen that with a lot of teams that win championships are prepared. Instead, Buffalo is trotting out Mitch Trubisky, Matt Barkley. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the past. Mitch Trubisky, Matt Barkley. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, all these nobodies. Then you go to the Bengals. They have Jacob Browning. They had Trevor Semyon going into preseason. The Browns traded Josh Dobbs. I mean, it's just like, where does it end? If you were a contender, get a good backup quarterback. That is, it's, it's criminal not to have one. Also, the irony of Doug Peterson, like basically a franchise backup quarterback, leading a backup quarterback to the Super Bowl is also, amazing. fuck Josh Dobbs. Yeah. What about Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, yeah. Brissett's out there, too. Yeah. Neither of them are yours. So with that, that will bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down. Retweet us on Twitter slash X down underscore loss. Remember, remember this episode is brought to you by Abby turner creative as well as the bruiser nation podcast network a division of Snapmere productions gentlemen any parting words i didn't realize how much fun football is i every year i forget how much fun football is until my teams don't play and i get to just sit there and watch it the buckeyes off because they suck the raiders off because they had to buy both just moral of the story don't wait. watch your own teams play and you'll be a happier person i've been saying this for weeks yeah but i don't know i don't me not watching my team lose, I don't think that happiness will ever overcome watching my team win. Well, speaking as someone who doesn't see that happen enough. It's yeah, really I guess. Trust me, guys. It's really fun. <laughs> I yeah. promise. You got the Buckeyes. Fuck off. It's great. Losing, going 11-1 and one and losing to Michigan. I'd rather, people think that we're kidding. I would rather go 1-11 and 11 and beat Michigan because guess what? That means it gives me 11 other Saturdays. I can do my own thing. I can go pick apples. I can go on a You will walk. not be doing I that. Never, I, I hope this that. happens. 
I hope this happens because this will be the exact opposite stance you take when you're one and eleven and you beat. No, Michigan. it's not. Beat Michigan. That's that's where I'm. I've been telling you, David. You'll never get it. I would. I just want to beat them. I don't care. I can have you popping up in my phone every day. Buckeyes suck, or congrats, Wally, on a championship, knowing that it's going to jinx it. Whatever. I don't care. I, if I beat Michigan at the end of November, my year is made. I am telling you, my last three years on this this earth have not meant as much because of what happens the last week of November. Thoughts on Kyle McCord transferring out? I'm not like most Buckeye fans. I don't blame him. I don't but blame you, Ryan Day. He that's was, he was told David. he wasn't the auto starter next year, right? That's why it happened. Like that's and, that's the assumption, yeah, right? That's, but that was the right him. decision. I don't like yeah. that was the right decision. You actually you have to prove you're the best player on the field, and you know. Who knows who they have? I agree with that. And he was not doing that. Yeah, and you leave the door open, but and then like for Kyle, go especially. You know, I love the Buckeyes. I love Buckeye fans, but they are obnoxious. There are a lot. It's just the Buckeye, Buckeye fans, fans that never actually went to Ohio State. Just so we're clear, that's definitely part of it. Yeah, because mm, but Kyle McCord, it like he was a good Buckeye. I'll, I'll unlike a lot of people, I'm proud that he's a Buckeye. I'm not. I wouldn't have been upset if he stayed. Instead, he is going to go. I hope he, I wish him well. And I hope You're who knows off whether an it be. unbelievable streak of like incredible day yeah. one starters. To Terrell Pryor back. Right. And, and I think that's where he gets an unfair look because like year two, he might be incredible. You will never, you, I mean, you'll, you'll know next year, but you'll never really know. Uh, there's just at Ohio State, you've reached a point where it's, you can't, there's no room to grow. You need to be good day one. Well, and it sucks for him, too, just because now he's going to go and he's going to go to a worse situation. And very often than, than not, it backfires on the player transferring. And that sucks because I do think he would have taken leaps this next year. And we're not going to find out. He might be like, look what DJ Uyunglele did at Oregon State after he left Clemson. He did well compared to Clemson. But like, you can't tell me that if DJ was at a place like Ohio State, Florida State, big schools he wouldn't have done better and i just i feel for kyle mccord for that for sure but anyways oh wait i'm happy still well yip yip hooray everything's great i hate you so much and the podcast yeah yeah have fun Woo-hoo. Bengals in the whiteout uniforms look out that's all i'm saying and the dude du- they're in the white house on the duval yeah because they were supposed to have a quarterback play instead they have <laughs> washington husky jacob browning don't hate on him his team's in the playoffs playoffs true who day love you guys I hate everything about you. Thank you.